Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Nice. How's Waco going? Waco's going good. Yeah. It's great, yeah. actually. Yeah. Uh, I apologize. I'm a few minutes late because I was talking to Jonah, who's literally camped out 50 feet from me. <laughs> not not even. He's like 30 feet from me. So I wandered over this morning and I was like, hey, I'm about to talk to Josh. What do you got for me? And he's like, ah, I don't do well under pressure. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like chopping veggies and giving me ideas. So it was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. But nice. yeah, it's... Uh, uh, Life's so good here, man. It's just sunny every day. Life's really simple. I think I needed like a a chapter of slower life, you know, just a slower mm -hmm. pace, less going on. Nothing's ever happening here. So you don't feel like you're missing anything. <laughs> if you're sitting in your van working on podcasts all day, there's just uh -huh. nothing going on <laughs> in El Paso. So great. it's yeah. been good. Josh, it's great to see you again. Yeah. Good to see you too. Yeah, thanks for doing this, man. I thought it'd be fun to pick up where we left off because I had promised listeners that I would give them an update on how your flash attempt of the free rider went. Mm -hmm. And I haven't done that. I haven't, <laughs> I've totally forgotten <laughs> to do that. I haven't mentioned it on the show. Um, but quite a few people have gone out of their way to reach out and ask and just they're curious how it went. So um, you and I talked in late September and you were like four to six weeks out from flying to the valley. You'd been training for this flash attempt of the free rider with lattice training. And you'd been doing these once a week off with laps on crack of fear. <laughs> and you were, you seemed psyched and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's where we left off. So I'd love to hear anything different in that final chunk of training leading up to flying to the valley. Um, no, not, nothing special. I kind of kept that up, what I was doing with the awkward climbing and bouldering and, and felt quite good. Like I was not, I was pretty pleased with my preparation, like felt healthy going into the trip. And, um, it, one funny thing was that just being on your podcast, tons of people kept reaching out to me. Oh, really? Text and email to like encourage me or ask how it was going, which was a new experience for me. Yeah that I didn't actually really love. <laughs> um, because of, because of pressure or. Uh, yeah. A bit of that. And just like, <laughs> um, wanting to be like nice and respond to everybody, mm -hmm. give them detail, but also being like, oh, I kind of just need to focus on what I'm doing at the same time too. Right. Um, so anyway, but yeah, I wish I could give you guys like a big, tale of glory but at the end of the day i fell and didn't do it um but uh it went like there was kind of some interesting things leading into it from a timing point of view that kind of made it not go as well as it might have but um like there was a storm I drove out there and there was a storm coming in five days so I basically had to make the decision like am i going to try to squeeze it in before the storm arrives or wait around and then wonder if the route's wet mm. for a while after the storm, given the window that I had. So we went with the squeeze it in approach. Because you so only had, had 10 to... days total, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It had 10 days total. Um, maybe I could have done longer, but the guy who was there to support me had 10 days. So that was kind of the time we had to work with. So um, 
basically kind of went for it, trying to squeeze it in. And that forced like going a bunch of days on right at the start of the trip and added some fatigue and just like some stress of trying to get stuff done. Um, but I kind of like, if I, you'd asked me beforehand, my goal was kind of to arrive at the Boulder problem, feeling good and with a chance to flash it. And I did that. Okay. Uh, so I climbed to the Boulder problem on sighting every pitch or flashing every pitch and basically fell off at the very end of the Boulder problem. Oh man. So, uh, <laughs> stuck the kick that you kick across to yeah. um the, the far wall the karate kick and then as i was reaching over my foot popped oh man <laughs> <laughs> i mean josh dude that is like one of the <laughs> best flash attempts or onside attempts on el cap in history ever i mean that's so impressive that's so close well, it, it hasn't been flashed it is close. Before. I think that's a stretch to say it's one of the best attempts ever. I okay. mean, um, All right. you know, you've got like Yuji Hirayama more than decades ago doing really good effort on the South A. Got Andra basically would have onsighted, of course, would have easily onsighted free rider had he not gone mm. for the, you know. So I never really thought of it like in a context of, ooh, I'm going to do this because, you know, it's something that hasn't been done. It was more like a cool challenge for me personally because I, I don't think that that's totally true. And I do think there's like tons of really truly excellent rock climbers who could probably do it, but they've char chosen harder objectives, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, that is so. an interesting thing about that route is that it shares climbing with, I mean, what what does it share climbing with like three classic trade routes yeah which so shares golden gate and golden gate um south a and free rider all share you know in south a and free rider like probably 90 percent the same five percent mm. the same so yeah. man well you you <laughs> yeah you were right you said you said that in our first conversation you said it's going to come down to flashing the boulder problem Mm -hmm. And that's going to come down to arriving there fresh enough to have a good shot at doing it first try. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you did. Yeah, you were right. You did that. <laughs> and anything you wish you had changed about the replica you built in your garage? <laughs> My replica is actually excellent. Like people who want to climb free rider should come check out my replica. It's really, really good. And it's probably like slightly harder than the real thing. Okay. That's um, sick. And where I fell, like where my foot popped is the hardest part for me on the replica as well. Because mm. the kickover, you know, it involves quite a bit of hip flexibility. I'm not super flexible. And like if my hips aren't warmed up, I have a hard time with that on the replica. Like the rest of it, I can sort of just do off the couch. But that kick section reach over is hard for me, not warmed up. And the same thing happened on the wall. You know, my hip wasn't that warmed up. Yeah. So it was just a little tight. So my foot popped. <sighs> so. Yeah. So yeah, people should come climb on my rock if they want to do free rider for sure. <laughs> You're going to be yeah. getting way more emails now. Yeah. Uh, amazing. What happened then? Uh, um, <clears throat> I didn't throw any sort of like epic wobbler or anything. I was sort of like, ah, oh, yeah, good effort. <laughs> it's a funny thing having, um, that was the first time I'd ever like set up flashing a big route as a goal over a long term 
And that was an interesting psychological thing because normally when you fail climbing, you sort of are like, oh, what did I do wrong? What will I change coming back next time? Right. But when you fall off on a flash attempt, you're just sort of like, oh, well, you know, yeah. there's like, no, there it goes. there's no sort of, oh, I'll come back tomorrow. It's sort of like a, you know, here's your t-shirt moment. Good, good try. <laughs> um, participation. So ribbon. we continued on that day um, with sort of the thought that we would top out the next day. But then um, the enduro corner turned out to be wet the oh. next day. And I wasn't really like as motivated as I've been. So I wasn't really in um, like the mood to battle basically. And we'd been leaving stuff along the wall that we were going to have to come back and repel for anyway to kind of lighten our load as we went up. So we just chose to repel from the block and then climbed a couple of other things with the rest of our time in the valley, which was really fun. Nice to go do some other things. Gotcha. Damn. Did you try the boulder problem pitch again? I did. Yeah, I did it like second try like three minutes after i fell <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> like no big deal like, yeah yeah no big deal and so. and if you had done it um i'm just curious about this like obviously you know who knows but if you had done it do you think battling up the wet enduro corner would have even been possible or was it just kind of no i don't know if it would have been impossible i think there's potential i would have fallen there yeah. for sure um yeah. with the wetness Gotcha. Um, but I think it, it was certainly climbable. It was funny. Um, like Brent bargain was up there the same day trying to do free rider in a day in the ground up and the wetness shut him down. Sadly, oh. sending the whole route. I think he did actually send the wet pitch, but it took him like a bunch of extra goes and a bunch of effort. Um, and then he got too tired to do the rest of the route. So it's very possible. Like, could have fallen and or gotten shut down on that pitch, but who knows? Yeah. It's endlessly fascinating to me how all of these conversations tie into one another. I just released an episode with Brent yesterday. Yeah, I actually listened to it. Oh, I you did? Really, I really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite episodes thus far. Awesome. Brent's Mine too. Super smart guy. Yeah, he's yeah. really thoughtful, really analytical. Mm -hmm. um, you guys seem like kindred spirits in that regard. Yeah, you... I listened to that, and I actually am going to email him after I talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, we should climb together. Oh, amazing! Ideas I want to chat with him about. So, I love it. That's incredible. Um, on that note, I I just you know talking to Jonah, he's like, dude, just get into the tactics with that guy. Like Josh thinks about this stuff more than any other person. I, and I know that you, I mean, of course, you were so thoughtful with your training in your lead up to getting to the valley. But I would love to hear. You know, we can start as globally as you want, but some of the things that you're thinking about, ways that you're stacking the cards in your favor, actually setting off on the route. And it's interesting to hear about your compressed time frame. I was assuming that you would be showing up to the valley and doing some amount of other climbing to get used mm -hmm. to the slippery rock and the different, you know, the different textures and the foot smears. And because the free blast, like people fall off the free blast. Yeah. And I don't know how similar the climbing around Estes is to that slippery polished glacial granite. But, um, yeah, I was planning on doing some warm up climbing for sure. Okay. But that storm kind of had to change the itinerary basically. Yeah. 
Um, and maybe that's the only thing I would change is looking back on it is maybe I would have tried to be more patient and wait and, you know, wait through that storm and try afterwards. But it was just like hindsight's 2020. It was calling for like three inches of rain in the valley. So it's sort of hard to say, you know, what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, t- tactically, I'd planned to do a warm up day um, and a pre haul and then have some rest days. I mean, instead, basically, what we did was I drove to the valley. The next morning, very early, we climbed the free blast. Then we rested the rest of that day went down the fixed lines. So there's your first asterisk. Um, then the very next day hauled up the f- heart, uh, fixed lines and then climbed up to the hollow flake. And then the next day climbed to the alcove and took a rest day at the alcove. And then the next day climbed up to the boulder problem. Um, so kind of had to go like a really big driving day into three full days and then one rest day before actually like being at the part that mattered damn the most yeah um so it wasn't totally ideal from like an itinerary point of view but that's just often the case you know with with big wall climbing or any kind of like logistically complex climbing you often don't get perfect conditions or exactly what you're hoping for um so you just kind of have to like roll with the punches basically Mm. yeah especially if you're on a time frame, like that's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, if I had more time, it could maybe go out to the Valley for a month and just spend a bunch of time there. Then I could have like been a little more like able to pick a, a window more, mm-hmm. um, you know? So it's just something that with my life and being a dad and all that stuff, I had to kind of like adjust to that, which is fine. So do you think there could have been a better opportunity is any part of you wishing that you had postponed the attempt for a different season or do you think you were more or less as prepared as you could have been i think like physically i was as prepped as i could have been i don't think i really made any mistakes in my training i felt like really good on all the weird climbing up there yeah uh you know which i think is a big piece of it like you have to be physically fit and like technically good at the weird stuff to get to the boulder problem fresh basically to have a good flash dry. So yeah, all of that felt good. I don't think I really would have changed any of the prep that much. And then take me through your logistical or your tactical approach to this multi-day ground up effort. Um, you, you talked about going up the free blast and then lowering back down the fixed lines and stuff like that and the asterisks, like stuff like that wasn't common knowledge to me or not not something that I understood for a long time about big wall climbing is that that's very common and there's mm-hmm. a lot of different things that categor- categorically we lump into free climbing big walls. But um, I'm sure there was intention and reasons and tactics, you know, keeping your loads light, whatever, behind all those decisions. Can you kind of talk me through why you approached it the way that you did as far as how you broke up the days and you know, when you hauled and stuff like that? Yeah. So you're sort of like trying to reduce the hauling weight when you're doing tactically and, and maximize time climbing in the shade. Mm. Um, so L caps, obviously really sunny and taking five days worth of stuff up the wall, super heavy. So nobody hauls the free blast because it traverses a ton to the side. Um, and it's really low angle. So almost 
I've never actually even seen anyone haul the free blast. So everybody hauls up the fixed lines to heart. They've been there for as long as I've been climbing in the Valley, 25 years. Um, and so generally speaking, you know, like I would say that the best style people will pre haul up to heart ledges, then start at the free blast and then, you know, get to their stuff at heart ledges and then continue on from there. And then this, like the step down from that, from an astral point of view is to climb the free blast, then go down the ropes, then go back up the ropes with your haul bags or whatever it is. And then, but then there's always that question of like, how much time do you spend on the ground? So like in our case, I would say it's actually probably harder to climb the free blast wrap down. And then the very next day rehaul and start climbing. But if we had climbed the free blast and then gone to the ground and taken four rest days and then continued up, then that would be a different thing. Right. Right. So, but all this stuff is really like all these big wall asterisks that you hear people talking about that you're trying to wrap your head around. Like they're actually are really only like best understood and like fairly judged by people intimately familiar with the route. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't really know like how, minor or major an asterisk is until you've like actually even done the route or spent a lot of time on it or are really familiar because otherwise you're just sort of like guessing at what it means. Um, like Brent was talking a little bit about stances in his podcast, you know, and climbing stance to stance. And that's a big one from an asterisk point of view, but stance is loosely defined, mm -hmm. you know, from like, standing there hanging onto a jug some people might define as a stance to like you know you need to be able to sit sit and lay down as a stance right kind of thing. so um all those asterisks are like kind of hard to wrap your head around unless you really you know you have int you're intimately familiar with the route and you know in some cases there's only like five people who are intimately familiar with a big route <laughs> so there's going to be like some varying opinions about what counts and what doesn't <laughs> sure <laughs> i'm curious for you how did you think about the balance between <clears throat> climbing this thing in the best style you possibly could and giving yourself all the advantages that you possibly could like stacking the cards in your favor making your work easy, yeah. easier because that's, it seems like those two things are often like kind of diametrically opposed, right? Mm hmm Yeah. So, um, like a good example of that was that because we knew we were on a, like a tight timeline with that weather coming, I reached out to a friend and actually paid somebody to take 20 liters of water to the alcove for us before we arrived to take some of the paint out of the, the hauling. Okay. Um, the alcove's like halfway up the wall or maybe a third of the way up the wall. And it was funny. That was the first time I'd done that. And as I thought about it and I was up there, I was sort of like, well, I could have just paid someone to like wrap in and put stashes down the whole wall wherever I wanted them. And what's to what's keeping like Bill Gates from totally rigging the route, you know, paying for the <laughs> with a big enough budget, you could have the whole thing rigged. Right. You know, and stash perfectly and have great food and the whole thing. Um, so I started to think about that. And I came out of that free rider attempt thinking that 
I probably won't go back to doing walls that way with any pre-stashing. Like, I don't think I'll do it that way. If I do any more, I'm not sure I'll do much more LCAP climbing, except maybe I'd really like to do like core zone in a day. Um, and uh, so I think as soon as you do any level of stashing, you sort of like setting yourself up for like a slippery slope of asterisks. So then I think like the way to get rid of that is, you know, doing things in a day, 24 hours or starting at the bottom with all your stuff and going to the top. Cause that's just sort of self-limiting because you can only haul so much mm. up the wall with you. Having tried Freerider, are there any other even options for trying to do LCAP first try or is that like, I yeah. think for me, probably not, honestly. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. One shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude. I think there are, you know, there certainly are for lots of, for other people um, at a higher level, but I don't think for me. Um, yeah. Because I've already been on like Golden Gate shares so much of Freerider and I've done Core Zone, which shares a couple of the 513 pitches on Golden Gate. And then I guess, um, you know, Pineapple Express would be the next one. I've already done that one, at least before it was, when it was El Nino, Pineapple Express. So, so, you know, I don't think there really is actually, because mm -hmm. it's go jumps to like 13 plus. Basically. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, one of the things that Jonah mentioned, he showed me this incredibly like quick draw that he has. And <laughs> uh -huh. he, he was talking about how, and I think Mikey might've mentioned this too, like you guys have spreadsheets that like weigh all this stuff, you know, to measure out all of your gear and find the lightest combinations of gear and, and things along those lines. And that's something I don't think about much because it doesn't really matter in sport climbing or bouldering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but of course, when you take climbing to that scale and you're hauling everything and you're climbing 3,100 feet weight becomes, it, it can become a deal breaker and efficiency of systems can become a deal breaker. So mm -hmm. take me through some of the maybe biggest changes that you've made to your system or optimizations that you've made to your system, whether that's for the actual climbing to reduce weight on your rack or, you know, ways to keep the hauling lighter or, you know, have less friction in the system or more efficient, things like that. So I think it's more of like a bunch of little things adding up, you know, and sort of being into those details. I think that comes from my alpine climbing history. And I think that sort of like weight obsession is, is useful for big wall climbing, but it doesn't need to be quite as anal as it is for alpine. Hello, my friends. I hope you enjoyed that teaser with Josh Wharton. That was about half of our conversation for free. And if you want to finish the conversation, the full version of this episode is available right now for patrons who support the show for $5 per month. There's a link right there in your podcast app to patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. If you want to sign up, the second half of this conversation with Josh was just as interesting as the first half, in my opinion. Uh, we got into some of the details of his tactics. We talked about how he came up with the fix and follow system. He was the originator of that and the implications for that and why it's so much better than belaying your partner who's following you on a big wall. We talked about 
goals and the importance of having challenge in goals and how Josh thinks about that and why he doesn't necessarily need to go back and red point Freerider, having tried to flash it and failed. That was really interesting. And we talked about considerations for any of you who aspire to climb the Freerider someday or any other big wall free climb for that matter. Um, some really good thoughts from Josh that I think might be helpful. And we talked about what else Josh hopes to potentially do someday on El Cap and what he's up to next. So if you want to hear all of that, it is available for patrons right now. It just takes a few minutes to sign up. If you do sign up for Patreon, you'll also get access to more than 30 other follow-ups that I've put out with past guests from the show. Lots of great content there, ranging from short 20-minute episodes all the way to two-hour-plus follow-up episodes. Many of them are basically full-length episodes, and if you love the show and can't get enough of it, then there you go. There's 30-plus more episodes to listen to right now. And as soon as you sign up for Patreon, you'll get access to all of them, and you'll have access to all of them as long as you are a patron. You'll also get ad-free episodes, so you don't have to skip through the ads at the beginning of the show. You'll still get great discounts from those brands if you do love those brands and want to save some money. And I'll tell you who's coming up on the show, and you can submit questions for upcoming guests. With the ad-free episodes and the follow-ups, you'll also get a custom RSS feed that you can plug into Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Most of the podcast apps out there support this. You can plug in an RSS feed and subscribe to the Patreon version of the podcast, and you'll get all of that content on your podcast app all in one place. So lots of value for five bucks a month. And most importantly, it's an amazing way to support the show and to support me. And you can cancel at any time. If you want to support for a few months and then you decide to put your money towards something else, I totally support that. I'm just grateful for any support that you're able to give. Once again, that's patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. And it just takes a few minutes to sign up and you can cancel at any time. Thank you guys for listening today. I appreciate you all. Hope you're having an amazing week and we'll see you on Monday for another regular episode. Shake it up, stop when the cup gets 13. Sing one, one, two, three, four. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.